This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Somebody came to me and asked me, which one of the titles was this sermon? Neither. I didn't. Those are sermons. I didn't touch any of them. So don't look to those titles. That was the intention, but I didn't preach any of those sermons. I was just telling stories. And I am debating right now to keep telling more stories or preach a sermon. <laughs> and so I was in anybody from Kentucky here. I don't see any hand. Where? Close, uh huh. Kentucky 10. And so I was in a specific church in that area. Yeah. <laughs> and so, good church, good people, good church. Nevertheless, things not happening because where there is no vision, people perish. We need to understand the depth of those words. Where there is no vision, people perish. Very simple. If you don't know where you go, you will not get there. Do you understand? People do church surviving from week to week. They don't do church with a direction. The church doesn't get together to pray and plan and have a direction, a vision. This is the plan that God gave us. Specific. They don't do that. And the Bible says that we should have a clear vision. And when you pray, God gives you the plan. If you go to God with a good plan and pray, it will not happen unless the plan came from God. Therefore, we have long board meetings and pray five minutes and talk three hours and we never grow and accomplish anything and have no success. Because we should pray three hours and talk five minutes. And so the church didn't have too many baptisms for the last 70 years or so. I looked in the conference books and the average of baptisms that was two, three baptisms a year was mostly their own children. Basically somebody is born and somebody dies and they stay there and they don't grow and they don't go down. They just survive. Specific to our churches, they are in coma, they are dead, they stink, they need a burial. And so, good people, smart, loving God, nevertheless, nothing happening. So I asked them, I said, first board meeting, I said, what do you do for outreach, evangelism or whatever? And one of the board most important people said to me, we don't believe in evangelism. We tried we had Ron Halverson, we spent 44000 nothing happened. We had Kenneth Cox, we spent 38000 nothing happened. We have, and they gave me big names. They said, nothing happened, we don't believe in it. 
You just take care of us. I said, yeah, change your diapers. <laughs> you just take care of us. Come in time. Finish your sermon in time. One of them told me, you know, board meeting should not go over 9 o'clock. The Holy Spirit leaves at 9 o'clock. I said, okay. And so, what do you do in a church that has three groups that they fight each other? One group extremely liberal, extremely, extremely liberal. One group extremely conservative. And one group not believing in the Holy Spirit and in Trinity. What do you do with them? And they fight each other. And the church is down to 190 to 100 attendance. What do you do? You cannot just go and tell them what to do. Because they will not listen. In fact, one of the elders told me, you pastors come and tell us what to do. And as soon as you get a better call, you move and you don't care for us. One of them came to me, put his finger in my chest and said, I don't trust you pastors. I said, nice to meet you too. You know? <laughs> so what do you do? It would be a mistake to tell them how or what to do. They will not listen anyway. And if you try to manipulate, you will not get anywhere. And if you try to force, it will start a war. It doesn't make any sense. So we started to pray, my wife and I. My wife fasted every Wednesday. I fasted daily, four hours at a time. <laughs> I don't fast more than four hours. But <laughs> I fast continually. I eat every four hours, you know. And so my wife fasted every Wednesday. She, in fact, she fasts twice a year, two to three weeks, literally. Only water. And she feels... I have energy. My memory is back. I say, if I did it for one day, I would be shaking all over, you know. <laughs> anyway, so we prayed two hours every morning, and she fasted every Wednesday. After three months, nothing happened. Guess what we did? We didn't leave. We doubled the prayer from two hours a morning to four hours a morning. And instead of praying from five to seven, we prayed from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. every morning. Do you think that's easy? It takes a bunch of commitment and sacrifice. And then I dedicated one day a week, every Monday. I would go to church, lock myself inside the church, and pray the whole day from morning to night in the church over every pew. Yeah, that's not easy. And we said, if God doesn't answer after three months, we are going to double again. And go from four hours, we are going to go to eight hours. And we'll keep praying until God tells us what is the plan. In the fourth or fifth month of prayer, I was at camp meeting. I love camp meeting and I hate camp meeting. <laughs> I love the communion with people. I hate that old tents full of spiders and mold. <laughs> we are supposed to pitch tents for a whole week and then have camp meeting for another week. During that week... I had to pray every morning, you remember, four hours. That's not easy when you work the whole day. And pastors sometimes are not used to physical work, you know. And then Monday, I prayed the whole day while pitching tents, and the whole night, 24 hours prayer, one day a week for the church. And as I was praying by my bed Monday night, I fell asleep with my head on the bed.
around 2.30 a.m., more or less, God woke me up with a bunch of thoughts in my hand. And the thoughts were very clear. This is what you do first, this is what you do second, and this is how you do it, and then this is what you do third, and this is how you do it, and this is what you do fourth. I was like, this is crazy, it's too much. And I wrote down four pages, and it took me until 4 a.m. to write down everything. Because you need to journal your prayer life and your study life. You need to journal. Hear me, if you really want to grow, you need to journal. You need to have a booklet. You need to have a calendar that is like a booklet and has a page for every day. Don't write long epistles, long stories. Just write three words. I prayed for this, and then this is what God did. Because later on, as you look back, when you read that, the whole story will come back to your memory. The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. God told Moses in Deuteronomy, write these things and read them to your children and grandchildren again and again. Ellen White says, we have nothing to fear unless we shall forget how God has led us in the past. As you read what God has done for you in the past, gives you strength in the trial. Do you follow me? And so, my father used to say, whatever you remember, you forget. Whatever you write down, you remember. So, as soon as God gives you an idea, when you study, as soon as God does a miracle, regardless how small or how big, you write it down. Because tomorrow, you'll say, man, that was a powerful idea. I just don't remember. You need to write it down. And I do more than that. I write it down and file it. Answers to prayer, miracles, big or small, all of them, I write them down in my daily calendar. And thoughts from the study, I file them. I write them down under a subject. If it's about forgiveness, under forgiveness, under F. If it's about, uh, let's say, prayer, under P, and then I put them on alphabetical order. And every time I get some powerful thought or impression or paragraph that is under a subject, I put it in that folder. And after two years, regardless what folder you look to, it's full. Anytime you can take one folder and preach a whole subject about that subject. Uh, you follow me? A whole sermon about that subject. If you go into my cell phone, I have folders on forgiveness, folders on mission, folders on prayer, folders on service, folders. And if you say, okay, let's read five paragraphs on service. I open my cell phone, I go to that folder and give you the most powerful paragraphs on service. Because when I study, I file the most, I underline, highlight them, and then I file them. And this way, slowly you build up an archive of thoughts on every subject. You follow me? Do it diligently. Do it that you get something. And so, going back to the story, as soon as God gave me the thoughts, I wrote down everything. And then I said, I don't do it. This is crazy. Nobody has done it before. Do you think that I lost my mind? So I went back to prayer and I prayed from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. I said, Lord, if this is from you, I need confirmation. At 7 a.m., I stopped praying. It's breakfast. Breakfast, Sabbath, family, they, those are holy things. You don't miss them. You know? And so, at 7, when I stopped praying, I was ready to go to breakfast. My telephone started to ring. It was Dr. Edge Meet from Andrews. Pavel, how are you doing? I said, okay. You remember that you asked me in February to come to your church? Yes. I will never forget that. You said no. 
in my mind, call me to give a prayer seminar and you know my answer. <laughs> yeah, we are supposed to help each other, you know. He said, well, wait, yeah, but you, you asked me in short time and I am scheduled two years in advance. I said, me too. <laughs> and he, I said, where do you go? What do you want? He said, well, Mountain View Conference somehow, or I don't remember, Virginia or somewhere there. They, by mistake, double booked me with the academy graduation. And so they canceled my meeting and I have a Sabbath available. I can come to your church. Do you want me to come? I said, duh. <laughs> come. I said, what do you have in mind? Well, we did in Andrews a pilot project. We never have done it before. And this is how we do it. And he started to tell me what God told me that morning at 2.15 or 2.30 a.m. Word by word. And I was speechless because I prayed three hours for confirmation. And I've been praying four months for direction. And I was like, wow. And he said, what? So I told him that I've been praying and God gave me the thoughts and asked for confirmation. And he told me the same words. He's, he's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I, after camp meeting, I go to my board and I told them the whole story. I've been praying for four months and I doubled my prayer time and I prayed every Monday and my wife fasted every Wednesday and God woke me up and God told me and I wrote down and then I prayed for confirmation and Dr. Schmidt called and he told me word by word what God told me and what I wrote on the paper. And they said, okay, what did God tell you? And I said, nope, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> they said, tell us. I said, no, if I tell you, you will not do it. You need to pray until God tells you what he told me. <laughs> then you are ready for it. They said, no, 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 you do that. You are the pastor. I said, that's the reason you have problems. <laughs> I said, I want you to make this church a praying church. And when God will transform you, he's going to tell you what he told me. And then we go together. And from now on, we are going to be all about prayer. And before you pray the way you should pray, we do nothing. And you better look for a pastor because I'm not kidding. And I said, this board meeting is canceled. You go home. And the treasurer said, I've been here 40 years. We never cancel a board meeting. <laughs> he said, if you cannot stay, you can go. We'll have a board meeting without you. I said, I'm the pastor. You pack yourself and go home. I just canceled the board meeting. If you don't like it, call the conference. <laughs> I was in the honeymoon. I could afford to do it, you know. Still fourth month in the district. Before six months passed by, you can get away with almost anything, you know. <laughs> and so I said, you go home. I wanted them to get it. I'm not kidding. And I said, next month, if you didn't pray, we don't have a board meeting again. Well, we need to seal the parking. Now you have been sealing the parking for the last 70 years. And nothing happened. You don't need to seal the parking and pay in the church. You need to pray. That's what you need. Make plans how to fix the walls, how to, it's going to burn. Yeah, you don't take the building to heaven. Oh, it's the church. It's not the church. Church is the people. Jesus didn't come to die on the cross for the building. I'm not saying that the building is bad. We need to have buildings, you know, and it should be pretty and good looking. But hey, if you don't have people in them, what's the purpose to have a nice building and so I said you go home and you pray every morning for one or two hours and ask God for the plan and next Sabbath I'm going to tell the church that I ask you to pray and if you don't pray we'll not have 
another board meeting until you pray, and the church will not have communion until they pray. And if you don't like it, call the conference. And then I said, next month when you have board meeting, I'm going to ask on you, and if you didn't pray, I'm going to cancel the board again and again and again. And I said, I am not kidding. And then I left. Oh, they didn't like me. <laughs> and I didn't care. But you know, good people, they are good people, wonderful. I love them to death. I mean, I love those people. In a second, I would go back there. I could retire there. I just love them and they love me. And I, people, good people, with good intentions, they don't do it because they are too busy. So if you want to happen, you need to follow up. So what I did, next morning, I called everybody in the board and prayed with them. And then next morning, Monday, I called everybody and prayed. And then next morning, Tuesday, I called everybody and prayed. And after a week, I told them, I'm going to call one a day, not 17 people a day. But you keep praying. They started to tell me after a week of praying with each one every day that we never had anybody to pray with us so much as you do. After a week of calling each one of the board every day and praying with them, they told me we never had anybody to pray so much. After about a month of prayer, I would call one a day, and they told me, our life has changed, our families have changed. We feel better than any time before in our whole life, and we feel our church is getting better. And I did nothing except praying with them. I did no programs, no nothing, just praying with them. Wow. Next month, we had board meeting. I said, confession time. <laughs> hands up, who prayed for God's plan? They all had their hands up. Hopefully, they were honest. I don't know. But I said, did God tell you anything? Two of them, I'm not going to tell the names, but specifically two of them said, yep. And they, in a very short way, said what God told me. I said, that's it. And then I told the, the board the whole story. Because when you tell them what to do, they will not do it. But if they get it from God, then they will support it. Do you follow me? It was not me alone. It was from among them now. And so it was, is, is not on the base of one testimony, but it was four people. It was me, Edgemeet, and two of the board. When you have four people testimony, it influences all the others. Moreover, they are ready because they have been praying for a month. They are not in the mood that they were in the beginning. You follow me? And so they got excited. Let's do it. And we started to do it. Long story short, I'm not going to go to the story. First year, we had nine baptisms. Second year, we had 16. Third year, we had 23. Fourth year, we had about 36. Fifth year, we had 51. In an Anglo church. That no baptisms for the last seven years, like two, three a year. 51. How many stayed in the church? Because in the NAD average, over 70% leave the church within three months after baptism. One out of 51 left. Moreover, all 50 baptized, they started to work right away. In a church where 11 people were doing all the jobs, in five years, we had 265 people doing all the jobs. Active. In a church with conflicts, without solving any conflict, period, never address them, never trying to babysit the saints and bring peace between the saints that fight each other. There was no more conflict. It didn't exist. When people pray and work, conflicts evaporate without you addressing them. I gathered them together two times a year at my house to have visioning session. We got together and we ate together 
And then we prayed for several hours for God's plan, for God's vision, because where there is no vision, people perish. If you don't know where you go, you will not get there. And so we gathered together at my house, and we ate, and then we prayed, and then I told them, go in the woods, 50 acres forest, you have room. Go in the woods, pray for God's plan. Don't come to me with your plan. If it's small, it's your plan. My God is big. Come with gigantic, impossible, crazy, nonsense, big plans. What if we don't have the resources? If it's from God, we don't need the resources. God has resources. He owns the world. I said, pray for God's plan, period. And then you come back. If God doesn't give you the plan, don't come back. Go home. They came back in five minutes. I said, write three of the most important ideas on a piece of paper. Five minutes later, they gave me paper with three ideas. We need to start church in time and finish in time. Like Jesus, you know, he finished in time preaching. We need, like Paul, you know, he preached until the guy fell off the window and died. Yeah? <laughs> we need to do this and that. We need to fix the walls and paint and fix the parking. We need to, I said, great, give it to me. I threw it in the fireplace. In the f <laughs> said, you burned our plants. I said, that's the reason, it's yours. Go back in the forest. Come two hours later. They went, they left after about one hour and a half, two hours. They started to come, heads down, humble. And they started. They said, we want to have our television. We want to have our radio tower. We want to have at least six, seven, eight seminars a year. We want to have canvassing every year to the whole city. We want to, I said, are you crazy? That's too much. It's too big. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. That's too big. They said, didn't you tell us <laughs> to pray big? I said, well, yes, I did, but, you know. <laughs> and I discouraged them. I said, no, 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 let's pick up one or two that are doable. And that's it. And they were not very happy because they prayed a long time until God inspired them. And they said, Lord, give us the plan. After I finished sending them home and discouraging them from the big, impossible, expensive plans. Next day, I went to speak for the NAD, for the prayer conference. And I went to South Carolina and spoke there. And then I go to the hotel room. As soon as I get into my room, I put the cup of water on the desk and then on the table. And then I, op I put my cell phone by then I opened the laptop. When I opened the laptop, I hit the cup by mistake, and the cup spilled all over the cell phone. It burned my cell phone. Oh, I was so angry because in my whole life, I've never broken anything. I never lost the key. I never lost the telephone. My wife would not find the telephone and then find it in the refrigerator. <laughs> she found one on the deck outside after a week of rain. I said, honey, how do you break telephones? You changed, your telephone is always broken. He says, oh, you always blame me. Don't you break anything? No. <laughs> I fix things. I don't break things. She's, she, she lost the car keys, and then she took my keys, and she lost my keys, and then she took the van keys, and she lost them, and she took the truck keys, and she lost them. And we had to pray for a week and look in the grass, and the lady that came over, she found the keys in the grass in front of the house. She says, How? I never lost a key in my life. If you turn off the lights, I know what, where to take things from. I'm picky. 
difficult to live with myself, you know? <laughs> now, first time in my life, I broke a telephone. I got pain in my stomach instantly. I was angry, not because of the telephone, but for breaking it, you know? So I go to Ruti Jacobs and I say, Ruti, can I use your phone? She said, yeah. What happened to yours? I broke it. <laughs> Ruti gives me her cell phone. I call Dana. Hey, honey, I love you. I miss you. How are you doing? Every night, you know, before going to sleep, we talk or we go on Skype and we talk until we fall asleep. And she says, hi, Ruti. I said, no, it's me. She says, why do you call me on Ruti's cell phone? I said, oh, let's not go there. <laughs> she said, no, 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 let's go there. <laughs> she says, what happened to your telephone? Well, I broke it. Praise the Lord, she said. <laughs> I said, why do you rejoice? Finally, now you cannot say anything about me. Now you broke one. I said, but I broke one, not a hundred. She said, it doesn't matter. You are, you are like a human being too. I said, yes, I am. I have other problems. I don't break things. I, I do other things, you know. She said, okay, are you upset? I said, yes. She says, don't worry. Welcome to the club. Just, just forget it. I said, okay, okay. So we talked. After we talked, I go to sleep. But before sleeping, I go to prayer. Well, I could not pray. I tried to pray, and I had no peace. And I said, Lord, if there is something between you and me, please show me if I have to fix something. And God said, you asked them to pray for the vision. I gave them the vision. And you opposed them. And you opposed me. And I never want to be in God's way. Many times we in the church, instead of being the ones used by God for his work, we are in the way limiting God's work. Like around the people that were around Jesus. And the paralyzed guy could not get to Jesus because of Jesus' people. We are those limiting people that come to Jesus because of us. And so I say, Lord, I'm so sorry of being in the way. If you forgive me, and if you somehow fix it, all that I did wrong, if you fix it, I'll go before the church, confess my sin, and ask forgiveness publicly. As soon as I finished praying, and believe me, when I broke the telephone, I prayed over the telephone, and it didn't start. I took the battery out, dried it with the hair dryer and put it back. It didn't start. I put it in a bag with rice. It didn't start. It was dead. It would not even turn on. As soon as I finished praying, my dead telephone started to ring. (laughs) It was a lady, not an Adventist. And she says, I am so-and-so. I said, okay. She says, I am the director of the local cable TV in Lexington. And she says, we try to put three hours, four hours the most a week with some spiritual programs to help our community. And I went to several churches and I cannot find quality programs. It's all money, politics, nothing, preaching something healthy for the soul. So she said, I went online and listened to every church and listened to your church. And I like what you preach. And so she said, it's 12,000 an hour at the top hours and 7,000 an hour at the low time hours. Like 2 a.m., it's 7,000. <laughs> 7 p.m., it's 14, 12 to 14,000 an hour. However, I'm going to give it to you for free, three hours a week. If you allow us to put your sermons, and she says it's going to cover an average of 200,000 households. Amen. That's evangelism. 
You get into 200,000 households through the television, preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. And I was like, I just finished praying. Thank you, Lord. I got it for free. And as soon as she was, I said, yes, no problem. As soon as I come back home, I'm going to have my people contact you and we'll do it. And then I say, my telephone works. I'm going to call Dana. And when I look, the telephone is dead, not even on. <laughs> so I am looking to a dead phone and it starts ringing. It was a man. He says, I'm the member in that church 20 miles away from you. And my church is small and they are, they are not able to have a radio station. But God inspired me to have a radio station. So I'm going to donate a radio station to your church. And she says, I'm going to give you so much money and the room and the utilities and sign it all on a paper. And you just have the money to pay the fees and the installation and so on and so forth. Everything that I opposed, God gave it to me on a broken phone within half an hour. <laughs> After I closed the telephone, it ringed again, the conference. We want to have a project, a pilot. We are going to send the academy kids to a church to do canvassing every year for so many years. Would you accept if we send them to your church on our expense, our books? I said, bring it on. One after the other, in half an hour, everything that I opposed, everything came back. The telephone never got fixed. I had to replace it. <laughs> that was punishment for me blaming my wife, you know, for breaking things. Because she's so good in so many other things. She's, sometimes it drives me crazy how patient she can be. I have no patience. I was born with very short temper, you know. And when I don't pray, I, you don't want to be around me. <laughs> And so, basically, I went back to the church following Sabbath. And I said, folks, do you remember when you came for visioning? Yep. And I told them what happened, the whole story. And they were all jumping up and down in the church, screaming, happy. We'll have television, we'll have radio, we'll have this and that. All that God gave us, he provided without us. I said, no, not yet, not yet. We got so much for the radio. But I did some research. We need another 27,000 for the fees, installation, so on and so forth. I said, okay, let's pray for it. We prayed, we went home. We did no fundraising. In a week or so, we had 56,000 raised. When people feel that it's God's plan, people give. And you don't need to pull teeth, you know. And we got radio, and we got television, radio, 24-7 radio. And we got television, and we got internet, and we got downloads like an average of 280,000 downloads a month, each month, from over 60 countries worldwide. And we, basically, in a small church, when they said, we don't want to reach Lexington, we want to reach the world. It happened. 60 countries. When I left there, 60 countries, 280,000 downloads a month for the last two years, each month, reaching the world, an average of... 50, 60 emails a day from all over with stories, powerful stories. Lives changed. Churches revived. Just listening from those seminars. Just, just powerful impact. It was humbling experience to see how God leads. When you pray, God changes a church. That church became a different church. People that came, people would say, is the most, all of them, no exception, the most friendly, the friendliest church we have ever seen in our lifetime. That's what God does when you pray. Without your effort, without you trying to convince, manipulate, fight. You just spend quality time seeking God and his plan. And he does everything else. That's the covenant. The covenant is not as people think the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are part of the covenant. But the covenant is bigger than that. God says, 
if you let me be your God, I will give you the law. I will put the law into your heart. You cannot do it, but I will give you a new heart. Take your stony heart and give you a flesh heart. I will write it in your mind. I'm going to give you homes that you didn't build. I'm going to give you gardens that you didn't plant. I'm going to give you a country with a big army that you have no power over. I'm going to... Do you follow me? I'll go before you. I'll give you health. I will bless you. I'll give you victory. I'll give you success. Just let me be your God. Have a relationship with me. Focus on me and let me take care of the other things. Everything, the law, the success, everything else. That's the covenant. And what they said, we will do all of it. And in 40 days they failed. And God didn't give them a new covenant. The title is the old covenant renewed. Right in the Bible. That's the title. Old covenant renewed. God gave them the same covenant. Says to Moses, they are a stubborn nation. Tell them that I will do it for them. I will go before you. I will do this for you. I will do this for you. Just let me be your God. If we would understand what relationship means, and if we would just seek God more than anything else, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our power, with all our time, with all our energy, to the point of giving up health, giving up life, giving up family, giving up everything. Whoever doesn't hate mother and father and mother-in-law, and son and daughter and everything, and job and self, is not worthy to be my disciple. If we would understand those words, to give it all up, surrender, not only the bad, but also the good, everything. Whatever good you have, surrender it. Don't keep job, don't keep salvation. Give up salvation, give up heaven. Why do you want heaven? To live forever without disease? My, my father said if God was broke, he had no heaven, no blessing, no eternal life, no health, no nothing. I would still seek him because I don't seek him for heaven. I seek him because I love him. I would stay with him until we both die. Seek Jesus. Don't seek blessings. Do you follow me? When you get Jesus, blessings come along. God doesn't ship UPS blessings. They come with him. Seek him. When he comes, you get all of it in one package. So... We, I was ready to start a sermon. I have, I prepared, I have with me about six, seven sermons. But we keep telling stories. What time is it? Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Let's take one more question and that's it. How many? Twenty-five more minutes? Maybe we can go through half of the sermon. It's simple and complicated. I and the Father am, am one. John 17. You need to be one just as the Father and I. Perfect unity in the family. Perfect unity in the church. To be one with each other as Father and Son are one. And he says, when you do that, the world will know that you are my people. How do you accomplish that? You cannot. But the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. It's like the hub and the wheel of the bicycle. The closer you get to the hub, the closer the spokes get to each other. Basically, when you seek God, the more you know him, 
the more you are transformed, the more you become like him, the more people see you and they don't see you, they see him. The more compassion and love you have and mercy. And you, when, when you love people, you don't look for problems. You look how to help them. Love covers everything. Love understands. You, you remember? And the more you love people without even trying to love people, because you become more and more like him, and that's when you become one, is the same answer like all the others. Spend time in prayer, spend time in the world, because that's how you reflect, how you contemplate, how you meditate, how you get to know God. Spend time with him in prayer and in his word. When you do that, you get closer to him, you get to know him, and you are transformed without effort. You become more and more like him. And the more you become like him, the more you realize how bad you are, and you need him more, and then you seek him more, and you come even closer to him. And then, without realizing, people say, you are different. That's a process. It takes time. It never ends. Okay, let's try to go through a sermon, at least attempt to go through a sermon. Let's see if we can connect to the projector somewhere. There should be a connection. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose I will find it. Maybe right here somewhere. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You see? By the way, before we start, that's my mom and my dad. Aren't they pretty? <laughs> they look almost as good as I do. <laughs> that's me and my wife 32 years ago when we got married. Our wedding and then our kids. Okay, this is about 15 years ago or more. Okay, this is about four years ago. It's the good-looking guy, that's me. <laughs> then my wife, Gabriel, our oldest son, Ovi, our youngest son, Denisa is Gabriel's wife, Kayla, it's Ovi's wife, wonderful kids, all of them. We love them to death. Wonderful kids. They call us too many times a day. They tell us every day what they study, the paragraphs, the, the testimonies, the stories, the miracles that God did for them. They call us and say, how are you doing? And pray with us. They not only just call every day, they visit us at least once a month. It's just, it's absolutely. They go with us in every vacation, sometimes too much. I said, hey, I want to be with mom. Ah, we want to come along. <laughs> this is them. This is our granddaughter. She looks like me. <laughs> and this is the other children. Gucci, he sleeps around my head like a crown. Prada and Ross. Okay. You, you like the pictures? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very sad 
it would be a, a major loss to go through a Christian life and not know God's plan for your life. Ellen White says that God has a purpose for each life. God has a purpose for each one. God has a purpose for you. Isn't it sad that we are very much interested in our plans, but never interested in God's plans? And God says, I know the plans I have for you. And he doesn't refer to the plan of salvation. He refers to the daily plans. It's plural. Jesus would pray every morning that God would give him the plan for the day. Why don't we do that? And so, I preached in my very first district, 26, 27 years ago, about seeking God's plan for everyday life. And as I was preaching about that, I told them, we have evangelism in four months. We really need to pray a lot what God wants you to do that this community will be reached. And I told them, God has a plan for everyone. I don't care if you are educated or not, rich or poor, young or old, healthy or sick. God can use you because it's not about you. Don't give me the bologna. I am not trained. I don't have time. That's selfishness. It's not about you. It is God's power in you. God says, go in the world, and if you go, I will be with you. If you go, God goes with you. So I said, seek what plan God has for you. And don't tell me that I am busy. That's selfishness. Do what God says. God gave you a gift. Use it. Don't bury it. In my Bible, the one who buried the gift was thrown outside. Those that used the gift were inside. There are two guys in my church. You may have heard the story. How many of you know the story? A few of you. Two guys in my church, crazy. Mentally sick, literally. They had a room, but there was no furniture inside. <laughs> the elevator didn't go all the way up. They were... <laughs> all the time. We had visitors coming to church and they would go, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I said, leave them alone. The visitors will never come back. You told us to love people. Said, but you don't pressure them to death. You say hi and you leave them alone. Okay. <laughs> oh, takes patience. They came to me. Pastor, you said that God has a plan for everybody. What do you want us to do? I said, oh my. <laughs> How can I get rid of them? I said, I know. You go home and pray. They, okay. <laughs> they went home and they talked, the two brothers. He said that we should pray. Yeah, he did. But he said that we have evangelism. And evangelism is for people, not for us. That means that we need to pray for people. But people don't know that we pray for people. That means that we need to pray with people. So they left and they went to the first house in the town, small town, 15,000 households, very small. Everybody knew everybody in the town. And they knock in the first door, eh, the pastor said that we should pray for you. But we don't know what problems you have. Tell us what to pray for. And the guy says, I'm broke, I'm poor, I have only a cow. 
The cow is sick. I went to the doctor and he said there is nothing he can do. Pray that God would heal my cow. That's my single source of income. Lord, heal the cow. Bye. <laughs> Simple short prayer. Lord, heal the cow. Bye. Next house. What do you want to pray for? Uh, pray for my kids. What do you want? Pray for my job. Pray for my... In a month, they prayed for the entire city, house to house, door to door. They came back to me. We prayed. What do you want us to do next? <laughs> I said to myself, it was quiet in the church for a month. Go back and pray more. <laughs> okay. They go home and their, their parents told me, they talked for about two hours. Now, we did pray for people. Who should we pray for? Well, what is evangelism for? People. Then we need to pray for people. But we did. Oh, maybe he wants us to pray more for people. Let's go back. They went to the first house. And the guy sees them and says, who are you people? My cow got well. God answers even the prayer of the foolish. Can you imagine that? God doesn't look to you. If you deserve it or not, if you are smart or foolish, if you are educated or not, if you pray with honesty and keep praying, God answers. Isn't that something? Amen. They went to the second house. They went to the third house. They came back after another month. We prayed. What do you want us to do next? I said, pray more. <laughs> they went back to the first house again. They prayed the three times with all the homes in the whole city. People would, were hugging them and loving them and saying, no church, no pastor, no family, nobody prays for us. You guys, you didn't come one time. You keep coming. You really care. When we had evangelism, the whole church brought two people to church. They brought 44. <laughs> 40, 43 out of 44 got baptized. And I told them, you don't even understand our doctrines. They said, we do understand that you are a praying church. We are not a praying church. Those two guys were praying church. <laughs> Can you understand what God does through anybody? Through anybody. God can use literally anybody. It's not about you. Oh, I cannot. I, am, I don't have training. Who cares? Yes, we do need training. But training... Without God's presence makes no difference. And so, I told the church, God has a purpose for you. It would be sad to go through life and not know God's purpose and never fulfill it. And you call yourself God's child. Shouldn't we search, Lord, what is your plan for my life? Shouldn't we search daily, Lord, what is your plan for today? Do you have somebody that needs to be blessed? Somebody that needs to be helped? Somebody that needs to cry with somebody? Somebody that needs to pray for? Somebody that needs to be listened to? You may not have money, but you can listen and care and pray. Somebody that needs a hand of help? Somebody that, do you have somebody that needs me today? Open my eyes. Jesus should be in the world. Through you and me. We should be the hands and the legs and the mouth. And you follow me? We are his church, shouldn't we? Man, I, this is only the title. 
There are 45 slides. <laughs> and so, like, I was talking to a guy, maybe you know the story, talking to a guy and Columbus Academy, he was the pastor. And after that, he started to pray every day that way. And then he called me and he said a few months later, since I do that, God uses me almost every day. I live a different life. I did keep Sabbath before, but I never experienced these things before. Since I do that, God is using me more and more. And I am happy. I feel blessed that God can use me to bless others. And I see people happy. And I see people coming to church because of me. I told him, you're going to see people in heaven that you don't even know that they were touched by you. Like, like I was in Australia. A guy comes to me and he hugs me and he says, thank you. I said, I don't know you. I said, well, yes, you don't. My son left the church, left the family. When I tried to talk to him, he told me every time, if you talk again about God, I will change my email, my Facebook, my telephone, my address. You will never hear from me again. I don't want to hear about God or church. I don't care for God. Leave me alone. I don't believe in God. I hate you and I hate the church. So he said, I didn't know what to do. And I listened to the prayer seminar, and then I read your book, and I was like, I'm going to pray for him. That's when they get in trouble, when you start praying for them, because God starts working. And he said, I started to pray, and after a while, God inspired me to tell him to read one page from your book. And I said, one page doesn't make any difference. But hey, I did it. When we met, I took him out, we ate, and then I said, listen, let's make a deal. I will never, ever talk about church or God again. He said, you cannot do that. You cannot help. He said, no, you read one page from this book. You don't have to believe. You don't have to like it. You don't have to buy it. Just read it and then throw it away. And if you read one page, I give you my word. I will never talk about God again. He says, you cannot do that. Can you keep your word? If I read the page, you leave me alone with church. Yes. Okay, give me the book. <laughs> that night, he finished the book. In the morning, he called his father. I said, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. He came back to church. He got baptized. When I spoke for a meeting, the son was there. You meet people in heaven that have been touched because you pray. And you don't even know about them. And so, the guy told me from the academy. You remember the story? From the academy, he said, after listening to a prayer seminar, I started to do that, and God is using me every day. And he said, something happened yesterday. I said, tell me what happened. He says, we are in vacation. The academy is closed. It's a boarding school, nobody there. And I prayed in the morning, and I said, Lord, what is the plan that you have for me today? I made myself available. Use me today. Make me a blessing. And then I left. God didn't say anything. But I kept praying, driving the car and praying. And he says, as I was driving, my wife and I went grocery shopping. And then we went there, and then we went there. And instantly, God said to me, go to the academy. So I told my wife, let's go to the academy. And she says, why? It's closed. It's vacation. He said, well, God told me. She says, no, honey, it's your mind. He said, no, it's not my mind. Would have said, let's go to Olive Garden if it was my mind. <laughs> he says, let's go to school. She says, it's locked. Nobody there. 
He said, I don't know, honey. I cannot argue. I know it's crazy, but let's go to school. They drive there. In front of the closed gate, there is a guy crying. They stop the van, and he says, why are you here? And the guy says, 21 years ago, I was in this school. I was expelled. They caught me with drugs. And then I was caught with drugs by the police and put in jail. And then I got out, and I was caught with drugs again and put in prison. And then I got out, and I started to sell drugs and do prostitution. And they caught me, and they put me in prison for a long time. I lost my family. I lost my job. I lost everything. In prison, somebody gave me some Bible studies. And I had time to think and repent. So today, I got out of prison. And I want to change my life. And I need help. And I don't know where to go. And this is the place where I learned about God. So I came here and the doors were locked. And I prayed, Lord, send somebody, please. Now tell me why you are here. He says, well, I prayed that God would send me somewhere. (laughs) Do you understand how God works? If we dedicate ourselves to service daily. And so... How do you know God's plan for you? How do you know? God called Israel so they would be not only the pastors, but all of them a kingdom of priests. Now remember, Ellen White says that when lay members will unite their efforts with the pastor, you remember the quotation? When lay members are going to unite their efforts with the pastors, then we will finish the work. Basically, she says, we all are called in God's vineyard. When God said, go and preach the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the end of the world, he didn't address the pastors. He addressed everybody. Do you follow? But Israel became good religion. What they did, they went to church, kept Sabbath, ate clean, returned tight. All those, don't get me wrong, are good things. Somebody came to me, why do you speak against tofu? I said, I'm not speaking against tofu. (laughs) Tofu is good. We are supposed to be good stewards, take care of our bodies. I'm saying that those good things without God have no value. They have to go together. You do this and you don't leave the others undone. You follow me? That's what I am saying. Israel did the doctrines without the relationship and without the love. And if you say you love God, but you don't love people, then you don't love God. Because if you love me, you treat my kids right and then I love you. If you say you love me, but you, don't, you mistreat my kids, you don't love me. Because if you mistreat me, I don't care. But if you mistreat my kids, you get in trouble with me. Do you follow me? God loves his children. Or you mistreat somebody or you don't care, you don't love God because you don't love God's children. He died for them. All of them have value. And so Israel didn't care for love and didn't care for people. They isolated themselves in the church and they did church to themselves. They prepared the programs then they watched their own programs and then they applauded themselves and that was it. What purpose do you have to go to church, prepare a program, then you listen to your own kids giving the program and then you say, wonderful, and then you go home. Why do you do it? If you have a cow that gives milk and then drinks the milk, the cow, why do you have a cow? 
The church, you don't do farming in the barn. You do farming in the field and bring the harvest in the barn. The church should happen in the field. You go. Jesus didn't say stay until they come. Go to them. You go to them. Jesus doesn't say that the gates of hell would come to church. He says they will not have power over you. That means that you go to the gates of hell and you pull people from Satan's kingdom and bring them into God's kingdom. You are supposed to go. That's the command, the great commission, not the great suggestion. <laughs> and so, I told them, Israel lost their mission. God did not call them to salvation. God called them to service. God called everybody to salvation, not only Israel. God wants everyone to be saved and no one to perish. And so, they would be saved as long as they would fulfill their mission. They are not called to salvation, they are called to mission. They are supposed to bring the good news to the whole world, to all nations, and tell them how God is. So those people would have a chance to be saved. But they isolated themselves, and the others were unclean dogs, and they spent all their spiritual life inside the walls, the temple. You follow me? Therefore, God rejected them. Not because God doesn't love them. They, as individuals, can be saved. And God called you and me, the church. And in Second Peter, in 1 Peter 2.9, the same Bible verse is repeated. God called us to be a kingdom of priests. If we don't do it, rocks will do it. But we'll lose salvation. Because God called you to save others. And so, you're supposed to be a force of attraction to the fallen world. To show the world God's love. Powerful quote. Yes, they didn't do it. So, Paul, talking about it, doesn't try to change them because they were dead long ago when Paul, the apostle, is talking. He's trying to teach us how to do different so we don't fall in the same trap, the same mistake. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did. Make sure that there is no heart of unbelief in you. Today, do not harden second time your hearts. They didn't enter in the promised land because of unbelief. Now, trying to learn what time is it? Our time is up, isn't it? Yes. Our time is up, it's meal time. We cannot miss a meal. That that's a no-no. Uh, we, we just started. We continue to... By the way, tomorrow morning, I have very limited time. I have to catch my flight. So we'll just try to cover three more slides. <laughs> but I'm even wondering if we should continue this or talk a little about end-time events. We'll see as the Spirit leads. Folks, you don't need a sermon. You need prayer. It's a privilege for me to be here. Make a decision. Don't lose your time here. Hotel money, food. Just don't lose time. Make a decision. Ask the Lord to change you at any price. Say, Lord, if you have to kill me to punch me, do it. I give you freedom. I give you permission. I beg you, do whatever it takes 
pur cold water and ice on me when I sleep, wake me up to pray. Give me a passion for prayer. Give me a passion for you. Give me a passion for people. Help me love people more than I love myself and love you with all my power and my strength. Help me focus on you to the point that I forget self. Help me focus on you to the point that I forget my cancer. Help me focus on you to the point that I forget my divorce. Help me. You follow me? Pray desperately for a relationship with God and people. When you do that, he loves that prayer. He will not only that he will answer that prayer, but he will take care of your problems too. Because when you focus on God, he focuses on you. You are not called to solve your problems. You will make a mess. You are called to serve. Let God focus on your problems. He will do a better job. Let's pray and then we go and eat. Father in heaven, thank you so much for working with your spirit in our hearts. Sometimes we wonder how are we going to change. But we know it's not us changing us. It's you. Help us focus on you. Keep our eyes on you and keep trusting you when we understand and when we don't. Based on your grace and your power and your promises and your love. Help us just keep seeking you forever. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. See you tomorrow. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.